Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you, man? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, taking the time, I really appreciate it. No problem. Awesome. Um, so, let, just let me know, you know what the time is looking like for you if you're too busy. I know this is kind of a crazy day for you, so just let me know. Stop me whenever. Okay, so. all good right now. Awesome. So, let's see. Got some let's questions. Bring that remote. How's the day going? Any any good movies going or? No, not right now. Just been kind of um, just been getting caught up on what's what's going on in the world. Oh yeah. But we're out of movies. Oh really? Yeah. What Four you... kids. We can go through a lot of movies yeah. fast. <laughs> what's been the uh, top? Uh, Jumanji. Jumanji, the new Jumanji, one. Yeah. With, uh... yeah. Yeah. That that one's Kevin classic. Hart, the yeah. Rock. Yeah. It's a good one. That's a classic. I haven't seen the second one yet, but okay, yeah, I check it out. Um, so first question. Let me get this dog. Um, so welcome to Wild Chat Sports Podcast number fifteen. I uh, know this was you know kind of a last minute thing, so I know that call was totally random. So thank you, appreciate that. Um, so I'm with football legend Carson Palmer uh, here today. Uh, thanks again for joining us, man, and uh, glad to have you. Kevin, glad to be on, man. Good to good to get that that random call from that nine seven eight number. That I was like, hold on, I, I think I recognize this, but I didn't. But good to talk to you, and uh, glad to be on your show. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. So, uh, you know, maybe just start us off. You know, how did you grow? You know, a love for the game of football. You know, how, how did you grow up playing football? You know, how did that start off? Yeah, really from from the jump. Um, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old. Um, just really fell in love with the game. I begged my parents to play. They wouldn't let me play. They didn't want me to get hurt, and I just continued to annoy them and beg them yeah. over and over and over again. And probably in, like, um, probably fourth grade, they finally, my mom and dad came home. They pulled me in the garage. We were out front. I was living in Colorado at the time, and we were out front playing um, playing street uh, broom ball, which is basically like hockey. Right. You run around. Um, on the street, you, t- you tape up a broom with some duct tape and tape it into a hockey stick. Right. And um, I'd come home. I was, you know, you're playing in the streets. You're all bloody from, you know, your knees and, and tripping and falling, tripping yeah. over people, <laughs> and tripping over other hockey sticks. And you know, I was kind of cut up. My parents didn't want me to play football, and I was just like, man, look at me now. Mm. My elbows were no skin on my elbows. Knees were all bloodied up. Mm. And they were just like, fine, fine, right. we'll let you play. They just, I, I broke them. I, wow. I finally broke them. And um, I think that was either fourth or maybe fifth grade, so that was my first year playing, and yeah. um, just from that day, from from that first year of, of playing, and you know, playing quarterback and running back and linebacker and safety and kicker right. and kick yeah, returner, yeah. and yeah, you know, yeah. just kind of getting the uh, the full throttle of every position on the field. I just I just fell in love from from the jump and and never looked back and really focused on that sport throughout yeah. childhood. Yeah, I know, and, and it's obvious. I mean, it paid off. I mean, you played college ball at USC. Uh, you know, enrolled there in '98, graduated in 2002, ultimately winning the Heisman. You know, just take us through your, you know, what that college experience was like. How were you able to like handle football with academics? I have a lot of friends that are student athletes. I don't know how they do it. So, I, just take us through that college experience. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I ended up going to USC just because it was close to home, really. They had been pretty bad. They kind of had a, a, a long run of some losing seasons. And, 
you know, I was looking also to go to Notre Dame because Notre Dame back then was, you know, they were all playing on national television right. all the time. Um, there was a lot of hype always kind of around Notre Dame that's kind of fizzled out, I feel like, over the last couple of decades. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of back now again, too, I guess. I mean, I guess Notre Dame's sure. come back. But back then, um, it was really Notre Dame and USC, and USC was closest to home. My whole family was in Southern California, so they could come to as many games as they could come to all the home games. Right. Um, but it, it had been a really dry run at the time. So when I first got there, um, you know, our, our, you know, our plan as far as our, my group of buddies and roommates and, and um, the guys that came in the same year together is we were going to bring them back. You know, that was kind of our plan is get right. USC back on the map. Um, and so the first couple of years was rough, man. We went through, we had some bad teams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Paul Hackett had just gotten the job right when I got there. I was excited right. to work with the NFL head coach uh, who had spent so much time in the NFL with, um, you know, Kansas City. He was mm. in, he was with uh, he was with Montana and San Francisco, and he had he had been around the NFL for so long, and, and it didn't end up working out for Paul. He ended up getting fired, I believe, my junior year mm. or sophomore year. Um, and then Carroll because we were bad, back, right? And then Pete Carroll came yeah. in and everything changed. Mm-hmm. You know, Pete Carroll came in and, and took the program over and, um, you know, just instilled, uh, you know, his way of doing things and his mm-hmm. way of recruiting and his way of coaching and, and leading and all that. And, um, and, man, we went on a great run. You know, yeah. we, we had a couple great years and then Pete, I, I left and, and our group of guys left and Pete went on and, um, you know, had three, four, five more really, really lean, solid years of national championships and Rose Bowls and right. BCS games and all that. So, um, you know, it was just a really exciting time um, to go, to get to USC when they were, had consistently not been very good. Mm. And they consistently won, you know, six games and lost four, right. five. And so by the time we left, I think we were 11 and um two or 11 and one mm. uh our last year and then um seemed like they went out and and, and continued to to win game after game after game and, and won a bunch of games in a row in like early 2000s um and so to, to be a small part of that and, and um to have been a part of that was really really special yeah i know that that's awesome man so i, I read um that you roomed with troy paul malu and, and matt castle uh, what were, what were they like as roommates? And if you had a room with one of them again, who you keeping? Oh man, that's a good question. <laughs> so Troy Troy had his own room. Troy was upstairs, um, and Troy was quiet. Man, he's he's just like you know the the Troy that that mm. Pittsburgh Steelers fans know and love. Now he was quiet. Um, he really laid low. He always had. Um, you know, you'd, you'd walk by his room and, and he'd always have some reggae on and just very, really kind of hanging out, chilling, relaxing. Um, and then Castle was the Energizer Bunny. Yeah. I mean, he was just nonstop, <laughs> way too much energy. You know, 21 years old at the time, but really like 14 yeah. in his mind and, and his behavior. <laughs> so I would definitely pick Troy again as a roommate over Castle. Yeah, no, that's funny. That's I mean, that's just crazy that all you guys ended up, you know, playing in the league. So I mean, oh, we had thought, a bunch. Man? I mean, we had Malifa McKenzie who played for the for the New England Patriots, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We had Lenny Vandermeer that played for a little while. Norm Katnick that played for a little while. Kerry Colbert who played for 
seven, eight, nine years. Uh, yeah. Ife Ifeani Oholete, who played for the mm. Redskins for four or five years. So I mean, we we had um, we had a bunch of guys that, that got opportunities and played for a little while in the NFL, and um, it was just a really cool time and a really good group of guys to go through college with and graduate with. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. What what a crazy story. Um, so once again, I mean, I mentioned you win the Heisman in 2002. You ultimately get picked uh, first overall by the Bengals. Uh, you're 22 years old. How do you handle these expectations, man? Like, I'm 21 right now. I can't imagine that. I'd be freaking out, man. I'd be. And was there any yeah. stress or? No, I mean, I, I, um, I guess I was kind of preparing for it. Mm. You know, I, I felt it's kind of. It sounds weird to say. I mean, I always had a dream to play in the NFL, but. I, I really believed it at a young age, you know, in high school, um, freshman, sophomore, junior year. You never know what's going to happen, but I really, really believed it and and and, and thought it was going to happen if I just continued to work. So, really, I was, compar- I was preparing myself. I mean, that's one of the reasons I went to USC. It's in Los Angeles. All the expectations. There was no NFL teams in Los Angeles at the time, so right. we were really kind of the NFL team and. I mean, from a media obligation standpoint, we always had, you know, massive, you know, L.A. Times and, and you know, and so on and so on um, around us. And the expectations, the pressure um, of that university really prepared me for the NFL. And then, you know, I went from L.A. to, to Cincinnati, which, um, you know, right. L.A. at the time, you know, you walk into a press conference, when, you know, when I was at SC and there's, you know, 100, 100 press members in the room. Right. Um you know, lots of cameras, lots of expectation from alumni and, um, you know, just really the city of Los Angeles. So it was a great, it was a great, um, you know, it really prepared me. It was a, it was a great teacher of, of how to deal with all of, mm. outside of just playing the game and throwing the ball, um, there was so much that was put on me at, at a young age in college and, and really even in high school. I mean, uh, being a, a, you know, a very high recruit and, and having all that attention um, really, I think, prepared me every step of the way throughout my career. Wow, yeah, I mean, that's crazy, man. I mean, I'm just thinking right now, I'm 21, I'd, I'd be like, man, that's that's insane. So, um, you know, just going back, you know, once again, I mean, you're drafted number one, and nowadays, you know, it seems like once you get drafted, you know, in that position, you know, players, you know, want to start right away, get right into it. Um, you had the untraditional route where, uh, you know, you, you were mentored behind uh, John Kitna, uh, did that relieve any kind of pressure or, you know, were, were you frustrated? Were, were you just ready to get out on the field? You know, what was going on in your head, uh, your rookie season? Well, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to play. I mean, you, I'd never not played, um, you know, from an early age. I was always, I was, I was always the starter, always the, kind of the guy. Right. Um, so to not be that, um, it was odd. It was just odd. Mm. It was, it was frustrating. Um, you know, from a com- competition standpoint, you just want to go out and compete. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the best thing for me. I mean, I, I was I was not nearly ready um, in year one as I was in year two. I had a chance to, to follow John Kitten around, follow right. him into the film room to watch him study, follow him, you know, into the weight room to watch him train, on the practice field, obviously, in meetings, giving, you know, offensive speeches and team speeches and, you know, just having a chance to sit back and watch what a true vet. I mean, John's the truest form yeah. of a veteran um, teacher, quarterback, mm-hmm. whatever you want to, whatever category you want to put him in. He was 
um, really amazing to me, but amazing for me, mm. um, and really showed me the way and, and taught me a ton. So, I mean, yeah, I wanted to play, but I wasn't ready. To, I wasn't ready like I was in year two after I had that mm. entire season of really watching and, right. and learning from him. Yeah, no, I I just thought it was interesting because nowadays, you know, you hear all. You know, once once you're drafted number one, you know a lot of players are just like antsy to get right back out there. So I think that was like really good insight. You know, just because you know you don't really hear that as much anymore. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, well, back then there was no there was no um, rookie wage scale. So right rookies, I signed a six year contract. So really, the team had six years to evaluate me before they decided whether they want to cut me or mm. or re-sign me. Nowadays, it's a four-year contract. Right. So really, you've got three years, so you really got half the time. Mm. So, you know, you can tag players and, and transition tag and, and use all the different outlets that the teams use, but you only have three years to evaluate a guy because they're signing four-year deals because of the new CBA. Mm. There's a rookie wage scale in it. So um, that's really accelerated the process for teams. Team, teams aren't going to use the number one pick on a guy only get him for four years and really only right. get him for three years because they're going to make him sit for one. Now you only have two years to evaluate him before you decide if you're going to give him, you know, $30 million a year, which is what guys are getting. So um, that, I think that's really accelerated the process for the evaluation of the quarterback position. Mm. It's just, you know, you only have guys in their contract now. Uh, well, you have them for 20% less time right. with when, when you calculate the, the tags and the ability to tag players. So, really um that that's been um what's accelerated that whole process is it's not it's not a six-year contract anymore it's really a four-year that's actually a three-year deal right no and and you're seeing it too i mean it's evident in the league you're seeing people you know coaches really rush the quarterbacks i mean it's crazy to think you know lamar jackson was starting right away last season too but you know it's just crazy um so you know overall the next couple of years for you you're taking over in cincinnati you get the starting job as you said uh you gave cincinnati their first winning season since 1990 you get the contract extension uh the next couple of weeks you face the steelers in the afc playoff game at home um you know you got brutal injury after the 66 yard completion to chris henry even when you're down you're breaking records you know longest completion in Bengals playoff history um but anyways you go down and, and people are saying you know you're hearing all this noise of you know potentially career threatening uh you know uh ha- however you're back the next season you're ready to go um and, and you killed it that year man i mean despite going eight and eight you guys killed it i mean you threw for 28 touchdowns you won pro bowl mvp uh you're in discussion for comeback player of the year you know, Joe Theismann saying you're, you're, you know, one of the game's greats, of course, is is praising your mentality as well. Um, you know, just just take us through that rehab process and what kind of discipline and, and mental toughness has to take place when, when you face these kind of injuries. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I ended up blowing up my knee two different times throughout my NFL career. Um, and I was in a much better state of mind the second time just because I knew what to expect. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was crazy. You know, we, we had, we had the first, you know, home playoff game and I don't know how many years. And then literally the first play of the game, dude hits my knee and, and it goes the wrong way and, and the season's over right there. Um, so it was just a wild, um, rush of emotions. You know, we went from, like I said, having a, a, a first round, um, game at home, winning our division, 
uh, you know, there's a lot of expectation and hype and excitement about our team. We had a good team. Mm. Um, you know, we get we, you know, we end up losing to Pittsburgh and they go on to win the Super Bowl. And then yeah. I go into I go into you know a hospital for an operation and I'm laid up. You know, mm. so it was just a wild swing. I mean, from the excitement of being in the playoffs to season's over to now you got to have surgery and now you got to rehab it. And at that time, like, you know, I got I got hurt and had the surgery like January, February ish, and mm-hmm. the season was right around the corner in September, right. but seemingly right around the corner in September. And, and at that time, um, they're just you know nobody was coming back for for the the next season. There was a lot of talk that well he'll be ready maybe in late October, early December, or maybe he'll take the year off. Um, and I just remember thinking, there's no way. I, I've got nine months. I, I, I got to knock this out and get this mm-hmm. thing done. Eight months, and that kind of like, you know, at the time that was um, that wasn't happening. There weren't guys coming back. But at the, also at the same time, I wasn't a running back or a safety, um, you know, a corner that really, really had to use elite speed, you know, at all times. Being a quarterback, you're really kind of under control, and you want to be strong and safe and and, and healthy, but. Um, I just looked at it as an opportunity to be one of the first guys to, you know, to come back and play. And I, that was my goal was to play the first game of the season um, in Kansas City mm-hmm. on the road at Arrowhead, at Arrowhead Stadium on September 12th or whatever it was. Right. Um, so I, I, I just set out a goal. That whole offseason, my goal was to, to play. It wasn't about what preseason game I was going to play in. It was about getting back to play in that season opener and, and worked with some amazing trainers, amazing doctors and, and people that helped me get back to playing that first game yeah i mean that's just incredible man i mean like you said you know you get injured at towards the tail end and you're ready for that season opener i mean that's just got to be a ton of like work and, and a lot of discipline to to get back out on the field so um major respect for that um so, you know so you, you talk about you know those tough times you know who was you know who was really supporting you during those you know low times was it you know your teammates you know were your family members you know reaching out to you um you know what what was it like you know it, you know going from Heisman to you know you now you're getting injured and you're hearing all this noise I mean who, who, was there a support yeah. system for you or tons of support um, I didn't have any kids at the time but my wife was extremely supportive and and really nursed me through that the first couple months of, of getting back on my feet every time I've had a surgery. Um, but yeah, family, my my two old, my older brother, my younger brother, my older sister, um, tons of support around me. Like I said, I had some great, great Bob Mangini, who's an amazing, amazing um, physical therapist in Cincinnati. Um, Dr. Angelo Colosimo, who, who's a great doctor and a, a, a great... Um, guy to lean on throughout the process um nick and and there, there's a whole there's a whole crew of guys that i was able to work with um through that so i was very fortunate the doctors are great the the physical therapists are great and i just have a, a a great faith in god i i knew he had a plan for me to get back i knew there were some doctors that were looking at the mris and saying oh he'll never play again and then um some doctors that were looking at it and saying he'll be fine um but I just believed in God and believe in, in my faith in God that, um, you know, he, he had a plan for me that that wasn't the end of my career, that I was going to get a chance to play again. And mm-hmm. I just I just really kind of blocked out as much of the outside noise as I could and just went to work and, and got better, a little bit better each day. And then as I got further and further away from that surgery date, 
the leaps and bounds I was making between each day, and, and I was I was dramatically getting better. Um, you know, as I was three, four, five, six, seven, eight months out from that surgery. Yeah, I mean that, that's incredible, man. I mean, what a crazy story. Um, I mean, and, and you know, just you know, going through you know. 2005 2007 like i don't know how you were able to do that i mean just major respect um you know god bless for that um but you know anyways you know going back you know through 2005 2007 uh you know your time with the Bengals. you know you play with some great targets for great weapons um you know you got tj hushmanzada hopefully i pronounced that right <laughs> um yeah. uh chad ochocinco or at the time chad johnson um you know, how did your relationship between you guys develop, and, and, and what was the conversation like in the huddle? You know, during that time period, we really developed our relationship in the off seasons. Um, we were, you know, TJ grew up in, in Southern California. Chad would come back to LA to train and work out and, and mm-hmm. um, do some business stuff. So it really was in those summers and, and in the off seasons, we'd all get back and, and get back to California. Uh, we'd go, go up to the Home Depot Center, which is where the Chargers played last year. Um, I think it's called Stub Hub now, yeah, but yeah. it was the Home Depot Center. And we had uh, kind of free reign to those fields and those weight rooms. And we would just you know pick a time to meet up every day, and we'd go out and just throw. We'd go out and throw for three, four hours. Right. And they'd run route after route after route. I just threw ball after ball, and then we'd go, go in the gym and, and lift in the gym. Uh, so the, really, that's where that kind of that rhythm and timing and that rapport really started was all those summers we spent before training camp and the March and, and Februarys and, and Aprils we spent in the off season before OTAs got started. Um, and then when we got back to Cincy, we you know we got going um, on a daily basis there when the off season program started. We threw all the time. Like there was no resting your arm. There was no pitch counts. Right. Yeah. We just threw and threw and threw, and those guys ran route after route, and that's really where um, the success uh, we had on the field um, came from. Mm, yeah. No. Sorry. Sorry about that. I just my my phone was oh, good. was bugging. Oh. All right. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just crazy because you had all those you know all those weapons. I mean, when you have you know all all that kind of talent in one huddle i mean it must must just be crazy um and, and you played with uh with a lot of you know talented guys throughout your career so uh you know we'll get to that in a little bit it, just a time check man you know is is there a certain is there a certain time check for you are you in a time crunch right now or uh i got another 15 minutes 15 minutes okay sweet awesome yeah. um so yeah in 2008 2009 uh the Bengals missed the playoffs and, and you know, in 2010, you were you you were considering um, playing elsewhere, or possibly retiring. Um, you know, by 2011, you ultimately played with the Raiders. Just talk about that kind of adjustment and, and move for your family. You know, playing for you know the Bengals for you know a good chunk of your career, and then you know within a year and a half, you're playing for the uh, Oakland Raiders at the time. Yeah. Time I had, I've got four kids now. I think I only had two um, at that time, so uh, it was a lot quieter in, in our household. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had been in Cincinnati for nine years. Um, it was time for me to move on. It was time for them for them to move on as an organization. Uh, went to Oakland for a half a year, and it was just chaos. I mean, it was obviously. Um, Anytime a, a, a 
a veteran player changes teams um, in the middle of the season, it's, it's chaotic. You know, I got there in week six. Um, you know, it was just a it was just a, a crazy, crazy time. Uh, this, the off season before was the the players lockout between the the uh, the collective bargaining agreement between the owners and the NFLPA. So that was going on. Um, Al Davis died right before I got to Oakland. They fired Hugh Jackson. They brought in Dennis Allen. It was just that was just a chaotic two year span. Um, and then right after that, I got traded to to Arizona. And then I like got to Arizona. It was just like this stable, calming f- force that I loved. Right, it was just yeah. everything was in place. Um, it wasn't chaotic. There was a ton of structure. Even though they brought in this new coach named Bruce Arians, um, they had just fired Ken Wisenhunt, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so amongst all this turmoil uh, that, that I had been coming from, from going from the Bengals to the Raiders, the Raiders to Arizona, and then Arizona's just going through coaching change. I just got there, and it was just like, man, here's our plan. Right. Here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Here's here's how we're built. Here's what we need from you. Let's get to work. And it was just a very calming, stabilizing um, time in my life. And then things just took off from there, and we went and won a bunch of games. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, you know, that transition alone was, you know, probably difficult in terms of, you know, from the Raiders. I mean, it was as you mentioned. I mean, it seems like it was just very chaotic. Um, you were happy to get to Arizona. Um, it, it's weird because, like. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like it looks like the Cardinals were almost like in a rebuilding period, almost uh, until the time they, uh, you know, uh, traded for you, of course, and then you guys just, you know, completely took over. I mean, uh, you threw for in 2015. You threw for 35 touchdowns, taking the Cards to a 13 and three record. And out of nowhere, you know, you're voted in the Pro Bowl and, you know, you were a potential MVP candidate, just an incredible season. Uh, so, you know, was that, you know, what were some of the things that the Cardinals organization, you know, communicated to you when they uh, brought you in? Yeah, I mean, they were just, uh, like I said, they had just they had just brought in Bruce Arians. Um, you know, there was just, there was a plan mm. in place as opposed to let's, you know, I, I'd come from Cincy where it's, you know, the organization's just kind of like, let's see what happens. Let's, yeah. you know, let's try to go win. And there was just a very distinct plan. Mm-hmm. And this is what we need from you. Um, this is why we brought you here. Um, they, they just had a plan, even though they just brought in a new coach and, and were, you know, really heading in a different direction and, and building a different team than, than what they'd been built on previously. Um, so, you know, it was just, like I said, it was very calming and just a stabilizing situation to go into after I'd been um, in a very unstabilized situation. So, um, I just really, I just really felt um, great. I mean, the, from from Steve Kine, the GM, and, and, and Bruce, obviously, and Michael Bidwell, the owner, um, they, they had just, they had a plan. They knew what they wanted to do. We didn't know we were going to turn it around so quickly and I think we won 10 games our first year and just barely missed the playoffs right um but you know there was a plan to get better each year I think we won 10 games and then 11 games and then 12 games like we just slowly methodically got better each year right um and it was all part of the plan that wasn't you know you're sitting and hoping and let's see if 
this works out, and if it doesn't, we'll blow it all up and start all over again. There was a plan to improve. It wasn't, let's go win the Super Bowl year one. Yeah. You know, it was, um, let's get better on defense. Let's get better up front in the passing game. Let's build a mentality that we're going to stop the run on defense, and we're going to run the ball when we have to on offense. Mm. Um, so there was just a very, there was a very um, distinct plan laid out, and everybody in the team knew what their role was and what right. their job was. And it was about sacrificing, you know, being a, a hundred, you know, an 80 catch receiver um, to be a 60 catch receiver and go out there and block right. and, and win in the run game. And, you know, from a defensive end's perspective, we're not just going to turn you loose in the quarterback and hope you get 12 sacks. We need you to get six or seven. We need you to hold this edge and stop mm. the run. Like there was a very well laid out plan mm. um, starting from Bruce Arians all the way down to what everybody's role was, what everybody's job was, to get us over the hump, to get better, to win one or two more games each year that everybody had a role. And that was very, um, like I said, it was very stabilizing and calming from my perspective. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's crazy. I mean, you all, you played with Larry Fitzgerald, too. Um, what was it like, you know, playing alongside him? I mean, was there any differences playing with him uh, compared to Chad Johnson or uh, TJ? No, I think the the one thing all those guys have in common is is um, their consistency year in year out. You know what you know what they're going to be. I mean, Chad led the AFC in receiving our yards for four or five, you know, however many years. Right. TJ led the NFL in catches a couple, but led the NFL in third down conversions. Right. Um, Larry just consistently had eighty plus catches a year for a thousand yards and was a monster in the run game and, and blocking so I, I think um, there wasn't a difference in those guys and that they each they, they did exactly what you knew they were going to do they showed up they were professional they were healthy they played week in week out they performed at a high level week in week out on Wednesday Thursday and Friday in practice and of course on Sundays in games so um, those three guys um, worked unlike any other guys I played with throughout my career and that's why they had such great careers I mean you look you look at what TJ did as a six round draft pick at Oregon State um, crazy it's not because he's six five and runs four two um, it's because the way he works and his knowledge of the game and how professional he is Larry Larry's you know Larry's not doesn't run four two but never never ever came close to running four two but Larry's probably gonna go down as one of the greatest ever to play the position maybe the number one or number two to ever play the receiver position because of the way he worked. It's not about the God-given abilities, and there are some amazing God-given abilities, but um, way more so it's about the way they, they worked and the professionals that they were. Mm, yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, you played with some great targets, as you just stated as well. Um, if you had to choose, you know, between all the targets that you play with, you um, throughout the course of your career do you, do you have like a favorite do you have a favorite or would you if you had to choose I would put I would I would put I would put Chad's feet okay Larry's hands TJ's knowledge of the game on Terrell Owens body and okay. that would be yeah that would be the ultimate receiver right there yeah I, I can't pick between those guys I was blessed <laughs> to play with a lot of great ones yeah. uh, Lavernius Coles was I, I could go on and on mm. um, John Brown I mean I, I was so fortunate to play with so Andre Caldwell I mean yeah. I, I, I don't want to leave anybody out so yeah, no, Kevin absolutely. Walter I, I, I could sit here and talk to you for days about the you know I was very fortunate 
great receivers. Yeah. Um, and they all had very unique abilities and capabilities. Uh, but I can't, I can't, I yeah, can't no, pick I one. Yeah. Uh, but I like that. I like that. That's like a Madden. If you could, yeah. if you could put <laughs> TJ's, yeah. TJ's head, Larry's hands, Chad's feet on To's body, that yeah, would be yeah, a yeah. pretty good receiver. Yeah, no, that'd be a tough guy to yeah, stop. no, that's tough, man. No, I actually just saw a um, video of TJ. You know, he's getting interviewed, and they asked him where Tom Brady would go, and he gave this like well thought out answer of why he thinks he would be in Tampa Bay and hey he said that yeah it was like on um he posted it today I think and it was like he was um he was decide he was like all right I could see Tom Brady in the Chargers Tampa Bay or uh like the Raiders or something and they were like, and he was like there's a zero percent chance he returns with the Patriots and the guy was like zero percent He's like, not even 1%. He's like, 0%. And I was like, wow. He was like super confident. I was like, wow. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you have any, I, I know this is kind of weird, but do you have any like suggestions for Bruce Arians, you know, you know, playing under him or suggestions for Tom Brady, you know, playing, you know, under Bruce Arians now in Tampa? I think he's well prepared coming yeah. from Belichick. Mm. I mean, just the, there's no sugarcoating things. There's no handling certain guys with with white gloves um it sounds like that's the way belichick has been for the last 20 years for brady so i I think he's walking into a very similar team meeting room where the head coach will call you out Mm. um he'll you know he'll he'll put you on on blast in front of your teammates in the media um and and i think that's what tom's probably used to so it's probably going to be a a very easy transition for him Mm. yeah no and um no, do you still stay in touch with the people, some people that you played in the NFL with today? I mean, you gave a long list of players, and you just mentioned Bruce Arians. I'm just curious, do you uh, stay in touch with them? Oh, yeah. 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 Especially times like these. I mean, with, with this whole coronavirus thing going on, just checking in on guys. I've randomly heard from a couple guys. I randomly heard from a buddy named Reggie Kelly, who I play with in, in Cincinnati yeah. in like 04, 05. haven't talked to the guy yeah, yeah, yeah. in 12, 13, 14 years. It was yeah. so good. I didn't even know... Yeah. I didn't have his new number. He had yeah. texted me. He was like, who is this guy? And one of my favorite teammates ever, Big Reg. Yeah. And, and uh, he ended up playing in Atlanta and, and with Cincy. And uh, had a great career. One of the best teammates I've ever had. One of the best blocking tight ends ever yeah. in the history of the game. Reggie right. Kelly, Mississippi State. But, yeah, so it's it's funny, you know, just um, just checking in on guys, especially amongst this chaos in the yeah. world right now. It's crazy. Just making sure um, – and, and, and reaching out to different guys has been, um, you know, amongst all this turmoil and chaos. Yeah. Uh, it's been nice to, to, to get some blasts from the past texts from old buddies. Yeah, no, I mean, it, this is just totally, like, unexpected. Like, I mean, you were probably super confused when I gave you the call yesterday, but, like, I mean, I was that's what I've just been doing. I've just been scrolling around because I have nothing else to do. But, um... Yeah, appreciate it again, man. Uh, just like two more questions, and then I'll, I'll yeah. let you go. Once again, thank you. Um, just curious, if not all good, uh, you know, if Joe Burrow ends up with Cincinnati, um, you know, there's just like a lot of talk about him getting drafted and how he'd be a good fit there. Um, you know, do you think they can make something happen with him? You know, or maybe you can make a potential comeback with uh, Cincinnati or <laughs> me? Yeah, make a comeback. No. No, I was playing catch um, yesterday. It wasn't raining yesterday. I was playing catch, and I feel like I tore my labrum. I was playing with my 10-year-old son. Yeah. So 
I feel like my shoulders kill me today from throwing 15 yard passes yeah. in <laughs> miniature football. So no, my career, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think I mean Joe's a, Joe's a, uh, an Ohio kid. He's, he grew up not far from Cincy. Every you know every football player dreams of playing at home. Mm. Um, so I, I I see him going there and and uh, not looking back. I mean. You know, I grew up in Southern California. We really didn't have an NFL team around, but we had the Cowboys that would come to Oxnard, which was like a two-and-a-half-hour drive for training camp. Mm. Two-and-a-half-hour drive for me right. um, to go and watch training camp, and that was kind of like my hometown team. So just knowing, you know, Joe's an Ohio kid, not, you know, I think he's an hour-and-a-half or two-and-a-half hours outside of Cincy. I mean, that's his home team. That, that's There's something special to be said about right. You know, you go on to college and you go away and you leave home and, and then having a chance to play in the NFL for yeah. the team that was right down the street is a pretty special opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, he's such a special player. I mean, you go back and watch just – you can watch this whole SEC season, yeah. but if you just go back and watch what he did in the uh, in the playoffs, I mean, yeah. he was he was untouchable. I mean, that, that first game against Oklahoma, oh. then the second game against Clemson, I mean, he um, – you rarely see a guy on the biggest stage just be really perfect. I mean, mm. he, he did not miss throws. Um, he threw some really difficult balls into some really tight windows consistently at the you know on the biggest stage. So um, he's got all the talent in the world. He's yeah. a lot more athletic than people know yeah. or, or even have seen yet. So I see him having a ton of success, whether it's in, in Cincy or, or whatever happens with that. Yeah. Um, He's got all the tools to be a, a, a difference maker and, and obviously a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, no. Once again, I mean, crazy. I mean, it's just crazy because they're throwing around names like Tua, Trevor Lawrence, but Joe Burrow uh, was at the top this year for sure. Um, you know, overall, I mean, you're a three-time Pro Bowler, second-team All-Pro, All-Pro selection, Pro Bowl MVP, NFL alumni quarterback of the year, two times FedEx Air Player of the Year, AFC Player of the Year, and NFL uh, Passing Touchdowns Leader in 2005, I believe. Um, I mean, you, you had an incredible career. Um, you know, what was your favorite moment uh, throughout this course of your career, and, and what do you ultimately want to be remembered for? Uh, good question. Favorite moment? I don't, I don't have one moment. I have a lot of moments. Mm. Um, that, that stick in my head. Um, Spit one out. <laughs> I mean, I, I played 15 years, yeah, so I yeah. played, you know, a couple hundred games. It's yeah. hard to pick yeah. no, one or that. two games. Um, you know, the thing I remember most is just the guys, the people, the mm-hmm. teammates, the coaches. Um, you know, the different guys that that I saw on an everyday basis. Juan, who, who was in our, our locker room every morning, cleaning up our locker room every single morning when I when I would come into work. Um, just just the people, um, you know, the parking attendant. Um, you know, it, it's really not about games or plays or stadiums you got to play in. It's more just the people that, that I was around that I'll remember. Um, and, and those opportunities to meet really special people that, that you know, you end up, Playing the NFL, people think you just play on Sundays. It's an all-year-round deal, and you know I spent more time with you know some of the people that worked at the facilities or the the training facilities, coaches, you know other quarterbacks that were in our QB meeting. You, you end up spending more time with them than you do your own family. So 
the you know the, the after 15 years you know there's not many games that stick out but there's a lot of faces and mm. and friendships um, that were built over all those years and all those days spending together mm, yeah no uh once again carson uh thank you again uh for for stopping by i know it was kind of a last minute phone call yesterday uh, i was like outside in the parking lot of market basket and i was like you know what i'll shoot my i'll shoot my shot here go for it um oh good man. Yeah, I'm glad you called. it was hilarious my mom my mom was like i was like yeah i'm on a, gonna have a phone call with carson palmer and she's like no yeah, it was it was hilarious so thanks again carson hope to stay in touch and uh once again hope you and your family stay uh, safe and healthy during this crazy time so thank you again yeah. Kevin, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, and uh, and stay healthy, my friend. Yeah, no, you as well. Thank you again, and uh, have a have a good rest of the day. And let me know how Jumanji is. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right have a good one. From the sweet life of Zach and Cody, and the sweet life on Drake Bell here. It's your girl Camille Costek. Shrew McGavin, in the house. Shoe nice, okay. Lay Howard from the Los Angeles Lakers. This is CeeLo Green. The follow at Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. If you Wild Chat Sports. Wild Chat Sports. Peace, Wild Chat Sports, man. Check it out. Love.